Sometimes, the best stories in golf aren't found on tour. You'll find them at the back of the range. And here's your host, Ben Adelberg. And welcome to the back of the range. I am your host, Ben Adelberg. This is episode 155. So I finally feel that I am caught up and rested from the U.S. Amateur. I think I can share a little bit with you about my experience at Bandon Dunes. First of all, let me say this. The USGA did a fantastic job by creating a safe environment for everyone at the USAM. I'll go through the process a little quickly because I don't think that I've described it quite yet. So before I left South Florida, I had to take a COVID test, had to get the results back. Obviously, they were negative and had to send them off to the USGA. Then I fly out to Oregon. I get into Eugene Wednesday night, August 5th. The next day, I head over to Bandon Dunes and everyone that was going to be in the bubble Anyone that was going to be associated with the championship, whether they were staff, caddies, people working in the pro shop, anyone, they had to go through COVID testing on site. So I took my test, then left the resort and kind of went into a self-quarantine for 24 hours. So did that, got my results, and then every single day I would go back to Bandon Dunes, I would have to had my temperature taken, they would check my credentials and they'd give me a sticker. So every day, uh, let's say Monday, you would get a red sticker. You would see people that if they had their credential on, which everyone did, and they had a red sticker that they went through the protocol for that day. That happened every single day that I went to Bandon Dunes. So they took it very seriously. I don't think there was a positive test reported once the championship started. Again, I'm obviously not speaking for the USGA, but I personally didn't hear anything, so I think everything went incredibly smooth. My days all ran together, to be honest. Um, I stayed about 25 minutes down the road at Coos Bay. Uh, it was actually a nice drive on 101 to Bandon Dunes every single morning, so it afforded me a chance to have a nice, calm, scenic drive on the way in, and then kind of a frightening drive through the forest on the way back, but that's okay. My, my routine was the same. It, uh, it was a little bit comical at times, but, uh, but yeah, that was my routine. And, and then every morning I'd head to Bandit Dunes, go through the checkpoints, and I'd park my car down by the inn and pick up my golf cart for the day because my badge said USGA staff, and I found a golf cart that said USGA staff, so figured it must be mine, right? I did plenty of walking while I was there, but having a cart to zip around and get photos and videos and also having the ability to transport all of my gear was great. Now, I wasn't out on the courses all the time. Every once in a while, I would come back to the Bandit Dunes Clubhouse and retreat into the wedge room. This was a small room right off the lobby that was the makeshift USGA media office for the week. That's where Jeff Marsh had his video editing station set up. That's where Brian DePasquale and David Schefter were writing game stories and hashing out the storylines for the day. Jeff Altstadter was overseeing everything, and Stephen Gibbons would hop in from time to time to edit some photos and prep for his next venture out to capture the U.S. Amateur in photographs. The room was basically a den for golf dorks. And it was great to work with those guys for an entire week and see that a lot of work goes into shaping the narrative of a USGA championship. There were several people off-site involved as well, 
but my experience on site with these guys was was pretty incredible. They probably didn't know who I was when I got there, but we all shared the same dry sense of humor, the love of golf, and man, did we have way too much junk food and sodas. I spent a lot of time at Bandon Trails during the practice rounds in this spot right behind the 7th green because of the proximity to the 8th tee and also the 11th tee. So I could see players coming through, get some shots of them, have quick conversations, and if I wanted to, just walk down the fairway for a bit and then return to my spot. And then they'd come back around for the 11th tee. So it worked out really well. When I moved over to Dunes, even though I've spent most of my life close to the ocean here in South Florida, I couldn't resist heading up the 18th fairway, hanging a right, heading up 17, and there I'd be at the 16th green that appeared to be hanging on by a thread before falling into the Pacific. The first few days of my time at Bannon, it was so windy. The TV coverage didn't pick up that much of it during the semis and the finals, but you know, I'll never forget following Jose Vega, who top fived in the Latin America Amateur Championship earlier this year. He was playing the 11th hole at the Dunes on, I think it was Sunday before the championship started, and he hit driver three wood on 11 and still had 73 yards for his third shot. The 11th is a par four. I saw Strafacci and Osborne hitting nine irons and wedges later on the week, so that tells you what the wind was doing. So many cool stories to share. I obviously will not share them all here, but I got to share at least one of them. You know, Sunday before the tournament started, I, I ran into Gene Elliott. He's a fantastic senior amateur out of Iowa, former guest on the podcast. He's playing a practice round with Sean Knapp, Dave Ryan, and Doug Hansel. All three are senior amateurs. So I'm walking down the eighth hole with them, just chatting them up. And I asked one of them, I said, how many USGA championships have you four played in combined and they didn't really know and they finished out the hole and I said well I'll, I'll see you guys later and I let them go and they play nine and ten and I, I of course returned to my spot behind uh, behind the eighth tee at Bannon Trails and um, they come up to me and they said well we got it figured out and I said okay well what, what do you guys figured out and they said 151 I still don't understand what they're talking about. I'm like, well, what do you mean 151? They said, well, that's how many USGA championships we've uh, we've all played together. Yep, these four men, Hansel, Ryan, Elliot, Knapp, 151 USGA championships combined. So that puts things in perspective. <laughs> um, had a lot of great experiences, a lot of great stories like that. You know, for the first couple of days, I wore my back of the range logo jackets and shirts because that's how the, most of the players knew me. I can't tell you how cool it is to see a player's eyes or a parent's eyes light up and have them call you. Yes, they called me the back of the range guy. Never gets old. Uh, I was able to connect with a few of the Walker Cuppers like uh, John Augustine and Alex Fitzpatrick and Stu and Cole Hammer. Uh, made new friends with guys like Johnny Kiefer and uh, Julian Perico, Sam Harden, Michael Thorbernson, and Mr. 64 himself, Aaron Dew. Uh, lots of the guys have already been on the podcast. Many more of them are going to be on the podcast in the future. There are a lot of characters out there. I will make sure you get to listen to their stories in the future here at the back of the range. I'm leaving out, again, I'm leaving out so many stories and anecdotes. Some I'll share every chance I get for the rest of my life. Some I'll keep to myself forever. But uh, before I move on to this week's episode, thanks to the players and their families for being so fantastic all week long. Enjoyed getting to know all of you. I'm sure that I will see most of you down the road in future events. 
Uh, special thanks to Bandit Dunes, especially Michael Chepka and his team and the entire staff that took care of us the entire week. A lot of long nights in the wedge room with lunches and dinners being delivered as we work. We were always taken care of. And, you know, finally, the USGA, you know, they welcomed me onto the team for the entire week. They were supportive of what I was doing. And look, they didn't know me and I didn't know them. Um, I think maybe it took a day at the most before we were all giving each other shit and settling in together. Got to tell you, it was a blast. And I can't believe I'm saying this, but I look forward to being stuck in another small media room, listening to Shefty rattling off the names of the 1985 Walker Cup team to really nobody in particular, uh, Brian looking at me and rolling his eyes, and Jeff ignoring everyone as he yells at his laptop for something completely unrelated to the topic of discussion. Yep, I am looking forward to doing that all over again. Now, one of the guys that was at Band of Dunes and made match play was the 2020 California State Amateur Champion, Joey Verzich. Now, this episode is a little different than most because Joey is a little different than most. If you've been listening to the back of the range for quite some time, you've probably figured out that I do a fair amount of research and have some questions prepared that I'd like to answer during the conversation. Well, with Joey, I didn't really prepare that much. I know that he played two years at Nevada before transferring to Pepperdine, but I had a hunch. I was like, let me just get this guy talking and perhaps I'd uncover something that I wouldn't have known to ask in the first place. Well, that happened and so much more. So I'll definitely have Joey on again in the future. You might hear more episodes here that meander along without a specific direction. Let me know what you think of this episode. Now, this episode was recorded before the USAM, so you'll hear me asking Joey to talk about Bandon Dunes and how the course would suit his game. And we also spoke about the fact that he was one of seven members of the Pepperdine team that would make the trip to Oregon. So, a fun look back. I'll definitely have Joey on again in the future. But for now, let's get to this episode. Joey Verzich, welcome to the back of the range. How are you? Thank you. Thanks for having me. It's a, it's a been a while. Uh, we've been following you since uh, your days when you were at Nevada. Spent a couple seasons there. Now you are at Pepperdine, part of the uh, the the juggernaut that is about to uh, embark on the uh, the voyage up to Bandon Dunes for the U.S. Amateur. I think latest count you have seven total team members going to Bandon Dunes. Is that right? Are you guys get like a discount if you like bring a lot of people? How's this work? Uh, I'm pretty sure it's seven. I know Dylan Dylan got his email that he's on the alternate list. So he was like on the fourth guy on it. So who knows? Hopefully he gets in. So if he gets in, I'm pretty sure it's seven. Wow. That'd be seven people. That's so tough. basically more than half of our team. I see a Dylan Menante on the uh, official field list as of August 1st. Is that good news? Oh, dang, he got in. That's see, good. Breaking news here at the back of the range. Oh, so, yeah. Didn't so, even know that. There, you didn't even text me. What a jerk. Well, you know, I, listen, <laughs> I mean, that sounds like little team unity issues that you need to work on maybe when you're yeah, back to I need to go. I need to go smack him around a little. <laughs> I mean, I just says he's on the list. I'm looking for your name. It's not there. I'm very sorry. Um, no, I'm kidding. You're all good. So you're so you have about seven teammates heading down there. Um, is this like everyone's kind of traveling uh, separately, or are you guys kind of going together to kind of create your own, you know, Pepperdine bubble, so to speak? What do you guys have plans for how you're going to, uh, you know, attack the U.S. Amateur? I'm pretty sure we're all going separately. As of now, I mean. 
I haven't arranged any uh, specific travel dates with any of my teammates yet, but hopefully we're all staying in the resort. Yeah. Well, I think it'll be a good experience, and uh, gosh, that course looks uh, pretty incredible. You know, you're a native from of California, so I know you're you're at least on the West Coast. That's some advantage compared to uh, the players coming from around the country and around the world. What do you know about Bandon Dunes at this particular time? Uh, all I know is the weather can be great one second and just turn. So I'm pretty excited for that because, I mean, I grew up in San Diego where I'm just playing and sunny and 75 every day. So I'm excited for some little uh, change of the elements. That's what I like about this place. Okay. Well, if it's raining sideways and your bag's getting blown over, are, are you going to be saying the same thing or are you just going to be like, why, why did I ask the golf gods for something unique? Why did I do that? Well, we all have, well, mostly all of us have to play in it. So, I mean, if I can get, if I can play good in that, I can play good in anything. That's what my thought process is. There you go. Well, you're just coming off a really good, uh, really good finish at the, the California State Amateur, the new champion. And it seems like there's uh, quite a few Pepperdine guys that like to win that trophy. I mean, you're following up uh, William Mao. He was a previous guest on the podcast. He won it last year. Um, Tell me a little bit about the format of that tournament. You know, how I know it's a it's a grueling tournament. I know that, you know, Torrey Pines, they probably had it tipped out to about what, 77 or 7,800? 78. They, has, they just added new tees. I mean, I haven't played there since my senior high school. And when I went back there, it looked way different. I mean, they changed holes around, new bunkers, new tees. I'm like, I don't remember this place. <laughs> okay, so so for a Floridian like myself that has really never been out to Torrey Pines, doesn't know, if you, if I'm going out there to play Torrey Pines for the first time or if some of my listeners are going out there for the first time, as someone that's been there more than I have and more than a lot of people, um, give me an idea of what, what kind of a day is in store for me at Torrey Pines. If you're, if you're pretty good off the tee, then it's not too grueling, but once you get in that Kikuya rough, I mean, You'll back your back's gonna start hurting after a couple hacks at it. So hopefully keep the driver straight. And I mean, when you go out there and play, you got to try to sneak back to those back tees, even though you're not really supposed to. But sure. I mean, if you're paying two seventy five, hopefully you can get back on those tees. That's a big. That's a big number. That's a really big number. What's the most you've spent um, for a round of golf? Like out of pocket, like you know, just regular walk in customer. What's the most you spend on a round of golf? I mean, me personally, I don't think I've spent anything. My my parents, on the other hand, uh, well, I mean, I mean, we I, we, I'll, I'll, we I'll, all went and played. Yeah, I'll cut you some slack on that one. What's the <laughs> most that you have been responsible for, so to speak? As you know, oh, we had four or five of us go play Pebble Spyglass and stay at the lodge for my senior trip of high school. So, whatever, five hundred dollars for five of us at Pebble. Yeah, I think I went to Disney for my senior trip and uh, threw up on Magic Mountain. So thanks. That's uh, that really does in in really does endear you to the listener base here of the podcast. So uh, Pebble. All right. So what was your favorite Pebble Spyglass? Tell me. Tell me about that experience. Well, the first time I played Pebble, the greens were just newly punched, and I'm like, oh, this is brutal. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, dead. I'm like, Dad, we took the worst time to come here. Uh, well, the thing that was cool, though, is like it was one of those days where, again, it was windy and rainy, and I had to hit, I remember it was seven or eight iron on hole seven, and I, I remember having so much fun. Actually, birdied it hitting like seven iron off that tee. 
So you like a little bit of the uniqueness. You like the, the shaping of shot. I mean, that's going to serve you well at Bandon because, I mean, if you like that sort of weather, then you're going to be just fine. Oh, I love playing in that kind of weather. Now, I, I have to – let's talk about the elephant in the room. Um, I'm, I'm – I, I wouldn't say I'm cranky old guy quite yet, but, you know, I'm, I'm in my, you know, uh, early 40s. And, you know, let's talk a little bit about, you know, golf fashion. That's kind of a topic around the game of golf right now where people are like, well, we got to get these kids playing golf. we got to get them interested in the game. And, uh, you know, if they want to look a little disheveled, if they want, you know, if they want to have their shirt, you know, untucked and their hat backwards, and who cares? Let's just get them on the golf course. And I, I'm kind of like that, but then I'm also a little bit like, you know, this isn't beer league softball. You can tuck your shirt. You can tuck your shirt in. And when you go in the clubhouse, you know, take your hat off. It's not a big deal. So am I just crusty old guy? Because I, I know what you wear in the golf course. But you could tell me, am I am I crusty old guy, or do I have any? Do I have a leg to stand on at all? Well, we grew up in different parts of the in the world, I guess. I okay. mean, good, good. I'm not. Yeah. I've never been one to where I judge someone on what they're wearing or how they look. Okay. I'm. I, what I've always told my dad because he was big stickler on me, you know, dressing up and getting ready. And I'm like, well, I'm like, why does someone care how I look if I'm taking care of the golf course, playing fast, and I'm nice to people? Yeah. I can go out there butt ass naked, and if I'm having, if I'm treating everyone the right way and taking care of the course, fixing ball marks, and being just a good person, then why is it such a big deal that I'm out there have, being comfortable? That's true. So you've always, because I mean, I mean, give me an idea. If if I'm, you know, this obviously isn't a visual medium. This is just a, a podcast. So, but give me a description of what you would say your your golf style is. Your golf. Me, what your golf fashion style is can you describe it to someone that you know if they're listening they're like oh yeah i know what this guy looks like in in a perfect world i'd love to be playing golf barefoot i actually practice barefoot a lot okay and untucked shirt probably no no collared shirt just some nice shorts and a, a backwards hat <laughs> okay so i know why you would want to play barefoot but can you explain a little bit about um not just the comfort value and the casual value of that, but uh, how that helps your game. It's from balance. It teaches me like how I use my feet and you can really feel like with the muscles and things in your feet, how you, when you drive through the ball, how they react. Like when shoes, you're just on a flat surface compared to grass where you have to feel it with your toes. And so it just helps me practice with balance, especially with driver. Can you think of a time where you really where you played barefoot and you kind of pushed the boundaries of like, okay, I, I want to play barefoot, but I know that I'm probably not at a course where they're really going to like that. And you're like, eh, I don't, I don't care. I got, I got to do it. I want, I want to play barefoot. You got to have a story, at least some place where I've actually on the golf course and never gotten in trouble for being barefoot. But I, at Nevada, I played Stanford's event and I, I mean, I think I shot 80-80 the first two rounds, and it was just brutal. And I'm just having the worst time. So I go to the range, I kick my shoes off and start hitting drivers. And I remember how mad Wilner and everyone was getting at me. Like, you look terrible on the range. And I remember a lot of guys from Pepperdine were on the range. They're like, we remember you kicking your shoes off. Oh, great. So I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, I could I was thinking like I could care less what you think about me. The next day I went and shot like 67, like five or six birdies. And I'm like, see, it worked. Like, who cares if I'm barefoot on the range? <laughs>
you know, that kind of falls in with a little bit with Thigala's uh, antics on the range. I know when he was a, a, a young underclassman, he was, I mean, that's that he told this great story of how he just would, you know, hit shanks on purpose just to kind of get reactions of people. And, uh, um, I mean, it was, I still, I love that story. He's like, yeah, I'm shanking over next to John Rahm from Arizona State. And he's kind of looking <laughs> at me like, what's this kid doing? So, um, all right, so you mentioned you mentioned Pepperdine, you mentioned Nevada, so you transferred after two years from Nevada to Pepperdine, and you're coming into this, um, I mean, you're really coming into a program that, I mean, you know, every program can get better. Uh, every program can, can look for a, a great player. You won, I uh, believe you won twice at Nevada and, and runner-up, a couple runner-up. I mean, you've had, you know, great success. So you're coming into a team that, you know, you got Al, you have Thigala, you have, you know, McCarthy, Fiegler. I mean, you, you've got Minante, you have a, a stacked team. Do you tiptoe your way in and just kind of, you know, kind of hide under the, not hide, but just kind of lay low until you find your groove on the team? What was the initial, um, you know, what was your splash? What was your initial um, involvement with the guys? I mean, I don't think I tiptoe anywhere, like around anything. I'm starting. So. I'm starting to figure that out. I knew that was a dumb <laughs> thing to say as soon as I said it, but. So I came in pretty confident. I mean, I was always the one or two guy at Nevada playing every single event. So you know, I had chip on my shoulder and was on a high horse, thinking, "Oh, I'm going to play every event," even though I knew what I was coming into at Pepperdine with how good everyone is. But you know, I'm a I'm a dumb twenty year old kid, high on life. You know, hey, so. there you go. I get I get there, and I actually didn't make the first one, uh, first two tournaments, and I'm like Jesus Christ, these guys are unbelievable. So so and I, and maybe so, so paint the picture a little bit. You go out for a qualifier. You guys, you know, hold qualifiers to to make it make the travel squad. Five go. The rest, you know, aren't on that tournament. I mean, are we talking just like they're just firing sixty sixes all day? Then and, and it's just like come get it. Oh, I, I think after the first two rounds of our qualifying, no one shot over par for the next four or five rounds. Wow. So, I mean, to have 11 guys doing that, which is pretty – it's incredible. And, I mean, yeah, like I said, I knew I was coming into, but I'm one of those guys I have to see it to believe it. Sure. And I knew Mal's name before, but, you know, the transition from junior golf to college is just way different. So I didn't really know who he was, and I saw him hit balls. I'm like, nah, this kid's real. Do this guy something else. <laughs> and I watched Soth hit balls. It's like the whole opposite. And then Soth would go out there and shoot 67. It's like, how'd you do that? Right. <laughs> so it's just there's two different types. Like, I mean, there's so many different types of ways people play on our team, but it was cool to see how everyone does it and learn from it. I think that's also an excellent thing just for, for people listening to see that even at, you know, even at this high level, I mean, Pepperdine, you guys were basically number one in the country when, you know, the, the season gets shut off, but you got a guy like, like Mal, who I'm guessing is just like, like a machine, just rock solid. And then South is like you said, kind of all over the place. I'm guessing you kind of can find your own way someplace in the middle of that. Yeah. I'd say somewhat in the middle of that. I mean, I'm, I'm kind of all over the place too, but it's, it's half and half, I'd say. <laughs> sure. Sure. Um, first time meeting coach beard, how talk to me a little bit about maybe just, you know, his philosophy. I know that that was a big key of where you're going to transfer to talk to me a little bit about seeing what he was all about, see how he ran the team. I mean, he was really nice. Like he was super nice when I met him and like, he was talking to me like 
I had a visit with UCLA and USC before I went and saw him. And he was talking to me about those schools and like weighing with the options, like, oh, maybe you should go there, maybe you should here. I'm like, that was weird hearing from a coach like at Pepperdine that I'm getting recruited by, like, oh, maybe you should go to USC if that's the best fit. Right. Maybe you should go to UCLA. I'm like, man, he's he really cares about the player rather than just his whole program and all. Like so that was that was a big like yes for me with going to Pepperdine because it just seemed like he cared more for the player than with how everyone when the, like how the program's doing right which was really cool I, I had a great uh, conversation with him and just love his approach to to what he's trying to do and and how he uh, you know basically treats the guys and then also I mean gosh you know Pepperdine you're you're hitting I mean your driving range faces the Pacific Ocean um, yeah pretty good yeah I I mean when you see this, I mean, I've seen photographs of this campus. I still need to get out there. I, I think I still have the standing invite from Coach Beard. But uh, when, when you first see this place, it, does it really, I mean, does it even look like a college campus? It looks like something out of like a really cheesy California-based soap opera. That's really what it looks well, like. So I grew up actually watching the show Zoe 101, which was filmed on that campus. There, I mean, so there, I already... there, there you go. I mean, it's like, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's it's sad to admit that I watched that show, but you know, I was, I was a kid, so I'm in my defense. Yeah, you're a you're a seasoned twenty year old now, so you know. Oh yeah. yeah. So I already knew, but when I got there, and they're like, "Oh, this is our range," I'm like, "You literally just hitting towards the water? <laughs> that's crazy." So that's and that's your view, and uh, yeah, that that I mean, it must be pretty damn easy just to just to hang out and and. and I mean, you want to be on campus all the time. I mean, I'm guessing you're not really trying to get off campus looking for things to do. I don't know if there's much to do around our campus other than our school. I mean, we're in Malibu. There's a lot of, I don't know, the, the people that live there are just different. I mean, everything closes before 10 o'clock, and, I mean, there's not really much of a nightlife, I'd say. Okay, so you got to find your own fun when you're not studying, because you are studying. You have to study and then uh, and then play some golf. So, I mean, you're able to find things to do. Yeah. I mean, we're real busy with our golf schedule too. And then with classes and it's different. It's, it was different than Nevada for sure. Well, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm guessing Malibu and uh, yeah, I'm, you know, I'm trying to figure out a way for me to get like that whole fifth year senior option for me being 43. <laughs> so if I can just like pick a campus to hang out at for a year, that'd be, that'd be kind of a nice place just to hang out. It would be. Yeah. Um, so talk to me a little bit about, um, you know, obviously the season was cut short. You guys were really kind of angling for that national championship. You know, next year when things get restarted, you know, I'm just going to go ahead and assume, I mean, we're talking on August 2nd, so let's just assume that that everything starts up in the fall uh, for the West Coast Conference and you keep running. Figala turns pro, but you have this, uh, still have a, a lot of the players that are still intact. I mean, is it just picking up right where you left off? What, Where do you see the team moving to? I mean, it's going to be a little different without Soth there. I mean, he was a big leader on our team. So it's going to make – hopefully it strives for, one of, for all of us to try to step up and fill those shoes or make some new shoes. Or, but no, we got or, no, Caden, or no shoes, right? Or no shoes, yeah. But we got Caden coming in, which he's, he's really good. So, I mean, I know our team's going to be – pretty decent for this next year but it's just another one of those things where we have no clue what we're capable of yet and your brother's coming in as 
and forgive me for, but your yeah, your brother plays, so he's going to be on. Oh uh, no, that's my older brother. Oh, my younger brother models in L.A., so that's why he's moving up to L.A. with us. Oh, this is perfect. All right, so your older <laughs> brother is is transferring to Pepperdine to play golf as well. No, 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 no. Oh, hold on, hold on. Okay, so what? So your younger your younger brother is coming to play golf. No, my, no one's no one's transferring to Pepperdine for my family. Just my brother's moving to L.A. Oh, with me. Okay, okay. To model in okay, L.A. Okay, so. <laughs> god all right so that's going to be a rough life so you're just basically be hanging out with your brother the model in la uh yeah basically <laughs> well he actually has a, a girlfriend well that's which stu- just that's stupid. which just moved wait, wait. <laughs> she just moved to poland she just moved to poland for about five years for vet school uh-huh and i'm like i've done long distance before i'm like john trust me it's not going to work out and right. he, he won't believe me. I'm like, dude, once you see the Malibu girls, it's it's not working out. <laughs> Your younger brother, John, who's a model, yeah. is moving to L.A. And his girlfriend is moving to Poland for five years. <laughs> and they're going to they're gonna keep that going. Yeah, that, I keep telling him it, it's not going to happen, man. Uh-huh. <laughs> He's a little stubborn, but I mean. It, I just, yeah, that's, oh, my gosh. Well. You're going to have just so much fun just like just torturing him. Like, hey, you know, there's this sorority party that I heard about. Let's go check it out. <laughs> exactly. This guy's not going to know what to do. <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> That's just, just going to be so much fun. Um, yeah, you got to keep me posted on that. I want to hear stories. Oh, I definitely will. <laughs> I want to hear stories about that nonsense right there. Um, U.S. Amateur, um, you, you've had success in the U.S. Amateur. I think you were round of 16 back in 2017. Yeah, at RIV. Yeah, at RIV, and then 18. That got you exempt. I, did that get you exempt? To, uh, no. Okay, so. I actually had a, I, so like four or five of the, because you had to finish top eight to get exempt in the next right. year. Quarters. And like okay. five of them, five of them turned pros. So I sent in my email to USGA. I'm like, hey. Since these spots are open, can I get that exemption? And they're like, no. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. <laughs> so I had to go to Vegas for a two-day qualifier in 120-degree heat, which which I got through. And I'm like, that is so dumb. Well, and, I, I mean, the people I had to play in that, uh, in that uh, whatever you call it, USAM, just coming out of high school. I mean, I'm only four years into the game, and I'm playing against, like, the sixth-ranked amateur in the world and the first-ranked amateur in the world. I'm like – I mean, can I catch a break? <laughs> Wait a minute. You said you're only four years into the game? I started playing freshman year of high school. Wait a and minute. And this is my going into college, freshman year of college, so four or five years into the game. Right, I'm like, shoot, right, come on. Now we've uncovered it. Now we're now we've uncovered a real gem here. All right, let's slow this back down. You didn't start playing golf until your freshman year of high school. I mean yeah, I mean, I played baseball all the way through eighth grade. I mean, I may have played one or two rounds, but never anything serious. And then I hurt my shoulder pitching, and we have that house up in Tahoe, which is right by a golf course. And we're like, well, what are we going to do all summer? So my parents told us to go golf, and then got I got hooked. Joined the golf team for our school for – well, I did it all four years, but I actually quit a little bit in my junior year because I – Went from five two to six foot. Okay. I mean, I was short, and then I grew. 
or how many inches. And I, I mean, my depth perception was terrible. I was so mad. So I quit golf for about six to eight months to play basketball. And then going to my senior high school, I'm like, well, I'm not making it in basketball because, you know, I got to be realistic to myself. Sure, sure. <laughs> I'm like, I can't jump out of the gym, man. I, I'm just a 155-pound, six-foot kid. I'm getting bullied. <laughs> yeah, those are a dime a dozen. Those aren't anything special, uh, yeah. at least long term. So so how did – I mean, okay, so this is, this is fascinating. You start really getting serious about your freshman year of high school. You can get lost in instruction. You can get lost in technique and all sorts of different thoughts and processes that will float around your head, and you'll get paralyzed. How did you just kind of get going that quickly and then – you know, four years later, you're playing in the USM and actually getting through a couple matches. And I mean, basically, I mean, shit, you you run up against Doug Gim in the round of yeah. 16. That guy's, I mean, he made it to the finals against Redmond. Yeah. I mean, I played, I, I spent a lot of nights on my uncle's couch waiting to play golf with him. I mean, we, I'm very competitive. So probably from my freshman year of high school, I mean, all the way through my senior year, I would go there every weekend, play golf. I mean, I play golf every single day, get dropped off at the course from whatever, early in the morning, get picked up late, and then just, I mean, I'm super competitive, and I always tried to play with people who were better, so maybe that helped a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> and you mentioned this chip on your shoulder that you had going, going into Pepperdine from Nevada. I'm guessing you've always had a chip on your shoulder because you started so late, and Okay, so now I'm think myself and listeners are kind of getting a little bit of a better idea of your approach to it. You're kind of coming at it as I mean, I'm guessing you think of yourself as just an underdog since day one. Oh, I, I still think of myself. I always have thought of myself as an underdog. I don't like being on top. I, I've never. I always tell my coach, like, man, put me at the two or three spot. I love being right in the middle. Okay. <laughs> I, I've never been one to be on top because I I don't know. I just always wanted to have something to push for. I've never wanted to be the guy to where, I mean, they're all, well, the guys on top, everyone's looking up to him, which is kind of weird to say, but I always like to push for something. Okay, so then walk me through how you get through the finals and you become the California State Amateur Champion, where did you feel that you weren't a favorite? Did you feel that you were not the guy? I mean, I knew I was playing pretty good golf. I mean, this whole quarantine, I actually sat my me, I sat myself down, had conversations with people to where, I wasn't consistent at all with my golf game. And I'm like, I need to change like a lot of things. So I had a lot of confidence, a whole different mental space Okay. to where I'm just like, I'm just going to go play golf. Whatever happens, happens. Like my motto or whatever you want to call it lately has been, I could shoot 80 today or 60, 65 today. All, all I care about is going out on the golf course and having a good time. I could be at school doing homework, which I'd hate, but I get to be out at Torrey Pines playing. So What's worse, shooting 80 at Torrey or going to do homework? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So what were, when you sat down and had that talk, who did you have the talk with? I mean, give me, walk me a little bit through your inner circle and what are some of the key things that you identified that you were thinking, okay, this, I, I need to change this specifically. Well, Beard, at the end of our end of the year meeting, Beard and Blaine sat me down and Okay. were telling me like I need to get more professional with how I think and how what do I do off the golf course and I didn't know what that meant and he's like you're not going to understand what that means until I mean it's going to take a while and then he called me for like an hour I forgot what day it was and telling me that he was thinking about a lot I need to start visualizing my shots because it seems like when I go up there 
and I don't know what's going on, I'll just go up there, grab a club, and hit it and not visualize what I want to do. And he's like, you need to start visualizing every single shot. So I try to do that for – I'm still trying to do that. But right. So that's been helping. Well, that's – I mean, it's interesting, though, just what you're saying, how – I mean, I love the fact that you start late and you kind of have this success and you're, you're you know, qu- you're playing great at the national level and obviously now, you know, I mean, great at the state level and, and now you're playing for the number one ranked team basically in the country and still at that point – you kind of have the wherewithal and your coaching has said, okay, you know, what you've done has got, has got you here, but you're not going to go any further unless you do a few more things to tighten it up. Exactly. And it's funny. You mentioned the, like, I may shoot 80. I might shoot, I might shoot 80. I might shoot 65. I just want to have fun. I mean, that's straight Figala right there. Yeah. I mean, that's, trust me. I used to be coming out of Nevada. I was a big guy with, I mean, I'm a whole different person. I, I, my parents told me, everyone who's watched me play golf is like, man, you're just so much different. Like I used to be kind of a hothead. I used to get mad, get frustrated over bad breaks and all that crap. I was always like worrying about how my swing looks, how I'm hitting the ball. And, and I go to Pepperdine and I'm watching sauce swing. I mean, no, I mean, there's maybe two people on our golf team who have ordinary swings. I'd say, I mean, everyone has a unique swing and everyone's good. Right. So that was cool to watch. And like, I'm there trying to hit a, a ball perfect every single time. And I'm playing with Soth, who's clanking seven irons. And I don't even know what he's doing slicing drivers, making divots with drivers. And he's shooting 60, 65, 67. And it's just like, I, I need to change some things, man. I, so I, I kind of, I'd say he, I looked up to him with how he played and I learned a lot from him. So, which was very helpful. Yeah. So, so now I actually don't even video my swing or or really do anything because I, I just don't want to know if I just want to go get the ball in the hole. That seems like a great approach to not only for you, but for a lot of, a uh, lot of, you know, just average hackers on the weekend, just who cares what it yeah. looks like, just go get it done. Exactly. Um, so you told me earlier that you're, I mean, you're not, you're not on campus right now, obviously you're getting ready for the USAM abandoned, but, uh, uh, tell me about what your living arrangements are going to be when you return to campus. This, this, I mean, you've seen the movie Animal House, right? I am not. Oh dear God, I just aged myself. Anyway, good? It, yeah, it's 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 a classic college. It's basically the most classic college movie of all time. Um, uh, I'll I'll yeah, you'll have to Google it. I can't believe Animal, it. I'll, I'll watch it. Okay, I'll watch you it. Got, you got to watch it. But basically their their house was just an absolute just just flop house of of just you know uh, uh just wretched filth and just it was it was awful but that's not going to be your house that your that your your roommates on the team are going to have you're going to have a pristine uh pristine house right uh, i mean which is good clay is actually a clean freak okay. like a neat freak which is which is great to have i mean we need to have one of them in the house gotcha so he'll get a little uptight of things get like messy or which is good. And like, I, I was telling my parents, like, Hey, we might need a, a housekeeper for like, wow. W- once a month, <laughs> oh once a month. <laughs> Cause I don't want my mom to come up and do it. I'm like, maybe someone come clean the house, disinfect some things once a month. Oh my God. <laughs> and she's really? like, yeah, that's probably a good idea. <laughs> oh my God. You have her just suckered. Oh, you gotta be kidding well, me, dude. You gotta think about, it. I grew up with three brothers. I, I don't have any sisters and, I mean, we live life a little different. Our family's a little different. Okay, and what in what way? You can't leave that on the table. How is your family different? 
I mean, everything we do is competitive. And I mean, with how our relationship with parents, like with me and my dad and me and my mom is just way different than everyone. Like there's no secrets. We'll, we'll tell them everything, even down to just the things that you shouldn't say to your parents. Like we'll make, <laughs> we'll make sure we say it to our parents just for the reaction. Just to, like, it's just, our house is fun. Let's just say that. Okay. Got it. Sound, yeah. It sounds, sounds like really the move to college is going to be kind of dull compared to what you. Uh, oh yeah. Oh, summertime when we're all at home, man, it's just, we're ripping on each other 24 seven. It's great. <laughs> what is, uh, what is the thing that you can, now I'm sure not, does everyone in the family play golf? Cause I'm guessing not everyone does. Um, just me, my older, the one older than me. And then the younger brother is starting to play, but he, uh, he, he's, he's really competitive and, but he doesn't like to put in the work for golf because it frustrates him. And he says it's too slow. Uh huh. Yeah, well, that's, that's not too far from the truth. Um, there are yeah. games in the game. That's kind of, yeah. So I'm, man, I'm just thinking of when I was in college, uh, I don't remember having the housekeeper. I just remember, uh, my, my, my living arrangements just being in complete, uh, <laughs> disrepair the entire time. Um, wow. So how are you going to, I mean, how are you going to lure these, these women from Malibu back to this flop house that you're staying at? How you, have you guys figured out how you can do that? Uh, we, we just got to say we're on the water polo team. I was telling you that earlier. We got to say we're on the water polo team. And I, I actually look like a guy on the baseball team. The baseball coach actually stopped me thinking I was one of his players. You know, so, that's funny. Cause actually you, you, you kind of have the, got to kind of have like the, the, the frizzy mullet thing working and it does, oh, look, yeah. you kind of look like you do look like a second baseman. Oh yeah. I mean, I always tell when someone asks what sport I play, I play, I say I play baseball. Always have. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. Uh, it's great. That's great. Uh, you know, you, I mean, member of the top ranked golf team in the country. And there are times when that isn't going to get you very far at all. Let's just say, well, yeah, yeah. you, you got to think about it. What girl in Malibu is going to be like, Oh, you play golf. Like, come on. I mean, I, I guess I don't, I, I it's like, Oh no, you play baseball. That's so cool. There's way more to talk about. It is sad though. I mean, that's that is sad. It should be well, like shouldn't be like that. Well, my thing is like because a lot of them don't know what golf is and all the rules, and then, then they want to learn, and it's like I really don't want to. I don't even like talking about golf to myself. I really don't want to sit you down and talk and explain everything about golf, and then they just get bored, and it's just like, no, baseball is the easy bet. Okay, I don't look like a football player or a basketball player, so that's what I'm stuck with. Okay. Maybe hockey. Okay, maybe hockey. Yeah, at some point though, they're going to realize you don't play baseball. I just want to hear the story of how you explain that one. Oh, hopefully I'm out of college. By the I understand. I understand. <laughs> um, all right. So before we wrap this up, because we've gone in, this has been the most discombobulated episode in the history of this podcast. But it's perfect. I love it. It's been great. But but tell me, um, why does Bandon Dunes? Tell me why this U.S. Amateur is going to be a good fit for you and. I guess also for your teammates. Tell me why you think Pepperdine is going to have success at Bandon Dunes. Well, I'm a big believer on like, you don't, like I told you, you don't know what's going to happen until it happens. So like I said, I could shoot 80 or 65. I'm just going to go try to play golf, try to do what I've been practicing for. But I mean, knowing who's on our team and I mean, there's no way that we're going to play like terrible. I mean, it's the best ranked USAM ever. So yeah we're all very competitive. So we're probably most of all of us are going to step up our games just because that's 
what it's like, and that's all exactly what our qualifyings are like. So it's just it's gonna be fun to watch, <laughs> fun to play. Oh yeah, no, I bet it's gonna be absolutely incredible. Um, before I let you go, there's one thing we haven't discussed yet, but uh, there is a one of the fashion things that I can't ignore is the fact that in pictures of you playing golf uh, that I've seen, uh, socks, uh, very important to you. Um, I, I don't see a lot of just plain white and plain black. Can you uh, walk walk us through or explain uh, your thought process on, I mean, how to properly coordinate the socks with the outfit? You know, is it just like, let's just find two that kind of match or is there is there are you thinking about this at all? I, I'm not thinking about it at all. I'm like, it all started with, I'm one of those guys that, you know, I like to push my boundaries and see what I can do, see what I can get away with. Always have been. Yep. Wasn't the best kid in high school and junior high, let's just say that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and then, so like playing at Nevada, we always had to wear pants and had to look professional for these tournaments. And I'm like, man, that's not me. <laughs> that's, I'm not liking this. So I always try to get these socks and, my mom was buying me these socks, and I, I hate when like I'm wearing ankle socks and the, the sock rolls down to where I get the thing on the back of my heel. Yep, yep. So that's why I started wearing high socks, and then I saw these cherry socks, and I'm like, man, I, I kind of want to get these. They look kind of cool. And then my mom just, whenever she finds some some crazy-ass socks, she just sends you. Uh, let's see. You're, you're, I mean, I'm not going to have you run me through the entire uh, lineup, but, um, you know, you, you gotta, you gotta get through stroke play to even have to, to get to match play. So, you know, you need a couple, you need a couple strong ones for, um, for the, for the two rounds of stroke play. I mean, give me, give me, you know, one A and one B. So I just got a pair of socks that say loser on like all over them, but it has the S cut out, has the S cut out and it says lover instead. Uh-huh. Got it. Okay. <laughs> so those are pretty funny. Yeah. A lot, and of, I, a lot of baseball players wear those. Yeah. And then I, I, I have a socks. I have socks on them that have like, uh, the Virgin Mary on them. It's like some religious socks that are pretty, I like them. Okay. They're pretty funny. Okay. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> okay. Um, Good. All right. So those. So you're a deeply religious man. Uh, that's that's good. So that's going to get you through. Um, wow. This has been a good episode. It's gone in many different ways, but this has been a good one. Um, uh, this has been long overdue. I'm glad we got to catch up and talk about. I mean, a lot of things. Um, but hey, <laughs> you're you're heading to Bandon, and uh, I, I know once you kind of get buckled in and uh, and and down to business, I know you're looking to improve upon the round of 16 that you did in 2017. Hopefully, uh, hopefully go much further than that, and uh, we will catch up again soon. So, Joey, thank you for being a guest here at the back of the range. Thank you for having me. That was fun. And there you have it. Special thanks to Joey Versage for joining me on this episode of the Back of the Range. Don't forget. We're still on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram, and every single episode is available at thebackoftherange.com. We'll see you next time for another episode here at the Back of the Range.